Well, last week we looked at some lessons from Balaam. And uh, this week, being we're in between series and not really doing a Sunday night series, and uh, the, half the church is down there or over there, I thought, well, I've already been thinking about Balaam. And uh, this is a, a unique character, a unique passage of Scripture. And so just I felt we could do some more with this. Uh, we only had three lessons last week, and there's a lot more to learn from Balaam and his life than, than simply the three that we looked at. But I trust this will be a help to us. I think that we will be done before them, but then again, you never know. I've, I've surprised myself so many times uh, with my long-windedness. I'm certainly not trying to be long-winded tonight. That is the truth. Okay, uh, my son, what did he preach? For eight minutes in the youth service? And everybody's been saying, Pastor Barber, take a lesson from your kid. Okay, okay. All right, lessons from Balaam part two. We're in Numbers 22, and we'll pick it up in verses one through eight. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. Now you might think right there that they'd be ready to be converted, but such is not the case with the hardened human heart. Uh, it takes more than just a fear to, to bring someone to the Lord. And we don't try to bring people to the Lord through fear. That's not the goal. But uh, here we are in verse, in verse uh, 3. There, they were many, and Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, now shall this company lick up all that are round about us as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his, of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt, Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure, I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot not, for I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. Uh, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. Lord, help us as we look at your word again tonight. Lord, there are many lessons to learn from this. Uh, Lord, we don't want to be obstinate and stubborn and so set in our ways and have such tunnel vision like Balaam that we can't see what you're trying to do and we miss out on your blessing. Lord, really, truly, this story in your word is, is a tragedy. And uh, not only is it a tragedy for Balaam as he misses the blessing and ends up cursed and perishes with the, the Moabites, but it was a tragedy all the way around, even with the people of God falling into sin and compromise. Lord, help us to learn some lessons here tonight from Balaam, from Balak, uh, from this whole story. And I pray that you would help us to be humble 
God-honoring, submitted Christians that want nothing more than to accomplish your will in and through our lives. Lord, purge us from any selfish agendas. Purge us, Lord, from our own selfish, stubborn will. And help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's review the last three lessons, and then we'll look at maybe three more here tonight. Number one, persist in your own will at your own peril. Balaam hears these men and sees their entourage, and he sees their offerings, and he says, wow, this looks really good, and he has offered a great promotion. Uh, And it is something that I'm sure he was thinking, um, I'm not going to get this anywhere else. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I don't want to miss the boat, as it were. And so he gets it in his head that it would be a good thing to go with these people and curse the children of Israel. Uh, But he knows he can only say what God tells him to say. And again, I told you last week that I believe that Balaam did know God. I believe that he was a prophet, a prophet of God, not of the people of God, but of uh, some other land that God raised up for a special purpose. And uh, I don't think that everybody had to come through Israel necessarily. I mean, we see that even in the lineage of Christ. Uh, Ruth the Moabite is in there, and Bathsheba. and She may have been a Canaanite, they think. And then you also had uh, Rahab, who was a Canaanite. Uh, God uses other people from other lands, right? So this doesn't bother me that, that uh, Balaam uh, could have been not just some sorcerer, as a lot of people think that he is, uh, but I think he, he was a, a guy who really knew God. And you look at his words here, he, he talks about the Lord as his God several times. He refers to him as my God. I have to do what the Lord my God tells me to do or say. But it didn't mean he was going to like it, right? And you and I are the same way sometimes. We know we need to obey God, but we don't always like it. He got in his mind that this blessing and this uh, promotion with riches and fame that was being offered him from Balak was going to be life-changing. It was going to be life-changing. It was going to be too good to pass up, and he wanted it bad. I won't re-preach last week's message, but he persists in this. God gives him multiple opportunities to turn around. At one point, everybody can see, you're going the wrong way. We can see it. I can see it. You can see it. Uh, His cat could see it. His dog could see it. His donkey could see it. Okay, everybody could see it except Balaam. He couldn't see it. And I I tell you, sometimes we are like that. Everybody, including the dog or the donkey, if you have one, can see this is not going right. Turn around. But we are so tunnel visioned. We are so dialed in, so set in our own will that we can't see it. And again, as the angel went out to kill Balaam with a sword drawn in his hand, Balaam says, if it displease thee, I'll turn around. If it displease thee, what have you lost your mind? He's here with a sword ready to kill you. It just goes to show how tunnel visioned we can get and how stubborn he persists in his own will even after God blesses the people through his mouth, not once, not twice, not three times, four times. And in the fourth bonus blessing, it ends with a curse. It's both a blessing and a curse, a blessing to God's people and a cursing to the Moabites and the Amalekites and all of them. And despite all of that, he persists in his own will. And the Bible tells us that he perishes 
with the Moabites. He does get his promotion, it would seem, and he gets in that circle of kings. He gets the, on, the, the fame, and, and he's part of this entourage. But he dies when God's people take over the land of Moab. We need to make sure that we are not so set on doing what we want to do that we close our ears, close our eyes, and close our heart to hearing what God is telling us to do. Sometimes I've counseled an individual, maybe a teenager, and everything's going wrong. And again, everyone can see it but the teenager. And the teenager's like, what's wrong? God must hate me. Everything is wrong in my life. And I'm like, no, God does not hate you. Can't you see it? God loves you and he's trying to keep you from destroying yourself. It's love. It was love that was trying to help Balaam. But Balaam persisted in his own will to his own peril. Lesson number two, when God decides to bless, all the forces of hell cannot stop him. And we looked at this, how he has these seven altars and he sacrifices all of these animals. And uh, boy, there's so much going on. Uh, this big scene and, and okay, I'm going to call down a curse from God. Nope, God blesses him. And then uh, Balak gets upset and says, well, let's change scenery. Maybe if I change scenery, we can get a different, a different uh, a, a, a curse, a curse from God. God will change his mind. Uh, nope, he blesses him twice. And he goes to a different lofty mount, a Pisgah, I believe it was, the third time. And, uh, and the same thing, he blesses him three times. And on the third time, you remember that Balaam, he was a little smarter than Balak. He figured this ain't going to work. And so on the third time, he did not go to meet the Lord. He just says, I'm going to stay right here. And God says, okay, you won't come to get the blessing from me. I'll come to you. Wow. If God is determined to bless, he's going to bless. If God's determined to bless you. He's going to bless you. Uh, no one can stop God from blessing you. No one can turn him away from you. No change of scenery will change God's mind. What a powerful thought that when God decides to bless, all the forces of hell cannot stop him. And who was he blessing, by the way? The children of Israel, a rebellious, stubborn, stiff-necked people who had already lost hundreds of, no, thousands by this time. Yes, thousands by this time in their pilgrimage had been lost because of their unbelief and their rebellion, and yet God says, I've determined to bless them. I've determined to bless them. Praise God. Well, we learn that we should not persist in our own will. If you, lesson number one, persist in your own will at your own peril. Lesson number two, when God decides to bless, all the forces of hell cannot stop him. Lesson number three, when Satan tries to curse what God has blessed, God will turn the curse back upon his own head. And that was that fourth blessing, that bonus blessing. He blesses the people of Israel and then it turns into a cursing. And it's as if God says, all right, Balak, you wanted to hear a curse? Well, let me give you one. And it's a barn burner. There in, I believe it's Numbers 24, where he goes into that. Uh, and Numbers, Numbers uh, yes, yeah, Numbers 24, uh, he curses Moab and Edom in 17 and 18. He curses uh, Amalek and then the Kenites. And 21 and 22, and uh, boy, it's, it's a bad day for Moab. Not only did he not get the curse on Israel, God blessed Israel, 
and gave him the curse, a Balak, that is. In other words, we need to get in line with God. We just need to get on the same page. I don't want to be blessing what he's cursing, and I don't want to get a curse instead of a blessing, right? So let's get on the same page, surrender our will to his will. Well, let's look at some more here. That was all last week. Number four, lesson number four. The lack of new miracles and revelation are not what is keeping you back from faith. It is your own hard heart. The lack of new miracles and revelation are not what is keeping you back from faith. It is your own hard heart. I want you to think about this with me. The verses that we just read in the beginning of this story, Numbers 22, detail how Moab is watching the children of Israel march through the land, destroying everything, conquering everyone, and they have already heard of the fame of these people. They've already heard what happened to Sihon and Og, these two powerful kings and huge, great kingdoms. They've already heard about things that have happened in the land and water from a rock and what is this? And before that, they went through the Red Sea. The Red Sea opened up and they walked through on dry ground. We are looking at that on Wednesday nights. Come back on Wednesday if you want to hear more about the Red Sea and some lessons that we can learn from that. By the way, I've been uh, doing some research on the Red Sea and uh, th there, is, there, there have been several archaeological findings uh, that, that you, uh, in, in the sea, you've got coral uh, reefs and so forth. Uh, but coral always attaches itself to something. So in theory, you could throw this. Don't do this. That'd be wrong, right? Throw this in the sea. Uh, someone's going to be really mad at me for that. Uh, okay, you throw something in the sea, right? And then the coral builds itself around the item. And the item disintegrates over time and is gone. And what you have left is this coral uh, shell. Well, I've seen with my own eyes as I've been uh, doing a little bit of research and watching some things the last couple of weeks, uh, there are coral uh, formations in the shape of chariot wheels and uh, spokes uh, with, with the spokes. And there, there was a certain chariot wheel. There were two chariot wheels during that time. One was a four spoke, I believe it was, and one was like a, uh, I can't remember, six or seven spoke chariot wheel. They found both in, in coral formations, um, they found one. Uh, cor now, again, coral usually grows like in a shelf unless it's attached to something that's some weird shape. And there was one that was a, a shape of a chariot wheel on the ground and then a shaft coming up, all coral, and then another sphere right here. Well, what does that look like? Two wheels on an axle uh, stood end on end. And they were scattered all over the place. Well, how would it scatter like that? Well, if you read the Bible and you believe the Bible, it makes perfect sense. So anyway, it's just neat to see how even archaeological discoveries have helped to confirm what the Bible has told us uh, from the beginning. Where was I with that? Oh, yes, I was saying that Balak had already heard about the Red Sea. And he didn't need to see the chariot wheels to believe it, by the way. He knew. He believed. And he had heard, and they had heard about the ten plagues in Egypt and what God had done in, in, in Egypt and how uh, Egypt had been decimated basically overnight. Egypt was a world power until Israel left the building. 
with uh, leaving chaos in their wake. You know those 10 plagues? First of all, the 10 plagues decimated the people. How many people died in those plagues? Then you have the plague of the firstborn, and that took out you know, the prince, the crown prince, and the next priest, and all the, you know, every ruler, and whoever was in line for some, some whatever uh, leadership, all those people died. Then you have the Red Sea incident, and the whole army destroyed, not to mention their workforce gone. And now they have to hire the, their own people. Their own people don't want to work because that's slave labor. You're not going to pay me to do a work of a slave. Their whole culture was upset. Basically, in history even shows that Egypt at that time was just decimated. Well, Balak, he knows all of this more firsthand than we do. And he says, I'm not going to be next. No way. I've heard of all of this and I am watching it with my own eyes. Uh, this, these people are coming and their God is for real. You know what is interesting to me about this? is simply this fact. Balak knew all of that firsthand, and he would not come to God and be a believer. How? How on earth do you, do you see this God is the true God, and, and here is His power, and here are His wonders? You know, what it, what it confirms to me today is this. People today who are not saved, people today who are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father, they are not unbelievers because they need some new sign. Just one more experience, one more event, one more miracle. No. You can have all the miracles. You can have the Red Sea miracle and die lost and go to hell without Jesus Christ, because it is the matter of the heart and the hardened heart. I mean, Pharaoh himself. I mean, Balak, sure, but he was, he was a gazillion miles away, right? But what about Pharaoh himself? Pharaoh himself was there to see all of this firsthand. And yet his heart was hardened. And he did not turn to the Lord. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior... Don't allow yourself to think that you're not saved because you just haven't seen enough. I've talked to many who will tell me there's just not enough evidence. I just need a little bit more. Need some more scientific discoveries. There have been so many scientific confirmations of the Word of God, so many archaeological discoveries. No, you are not a believer because of your own sinful choice. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. We have hardened hearts. There is enough there for a child to see and understand and believe, but there is just not enough there for someone who is full of pride and full of themselves to say, no, I need more. Someone will say, I need a miracle. I need another event. I need more evidence before I can believe in God. Totally false. Totally false. You have more than enough already. Well, someone will say, I, 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 need, um, I need more revelation. 
I need to hear from God directly before I'm going to believe. The Bible, I mean, I, I can't really trust the Bible. It's been written by men. It's been, you know, transcribed and passed down for years. You can't, you can't trust that. And who's to say that it's actually the inspired word of God? And aren't there some discrepancies in there? And, and blah, 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 blah. I need, some, I need some hard and fast revelation. Oh, yeah? What did Balak have? Balak had some revelation delivered face to face. I want to remind you for a moment, we're in Numbers, and again, I didn't put all, the, all of this on the screen, I just have the point. If you have your, the Word of God, you can uh, follow along with me. In the book of Numbers, <clears throat> let me see here if I lose my place. You've got uh, Numbers 22.7 is the first revelation from God. The elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed. Okay, uh, and actually, I'm sorry, that's not, that's not it. I got the wrong, the wrong one. Uh, is it 23? 23.7. There it is. Wrote down the wrong chapter. 23.7. And he took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? From the top of the rocks I see him. From the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. Words through Balaam's mouth straight from God. And Balak got saved. He repented and got right. No, he didn't. You know what Balak wanted? He wanted a word from God. That's what he said. I, I just want a word from God. But it needs to be my word from God. It's got to be my word from God for me to believe and have a relationship with this, with this God. He needs to do what I want to do. You know what? The human heart wants to be God. Humans want to call it the way they see it. I, I, uh, I follow certain people on YouTube uh, that, that have been helpful to me in uh, fitness or finance or uh, various Christians and authors and so forth. And there's one guy I followed who was a fitness trainer. And I've, I've stopped following this fellow for many reasons. Um, but I, I was following this one fellow for a while and I, I, I wanted to look into who he was and find out more about him, find out he had a website. He had a website and he had a bio on there. And so I thought, well, I'll read about him and see, see kind of where he comes from and so forth. He was raised in church, raised in presumably from what it sounded like, hard to piece it together from his bio, but it sounded like maybe a gospel preaching church. And he had kind of gotten away from that and threw that out. But he said he had not thrown out God. He said, I'm still very spiritual. I'm still very religious. He said, I have just spent my whole life searching to find the religion that correlates and corresponds with my values. He says, I just haven't found, I haven't found that religion yet. I thought, well, good luck. And if you find it, it'll be horrible because it'll be man-made, man-centered, and, and it'll be totally futile. 
I thought, isn't that how so many people are? Spend a lifetime searching for a God who will let them be God, essentially. I want a religion that corresponds with my values. So it was with Balak. I need to hear from God directly before I can believe, somebody says. I need more revelation. I need to see more evidence. I want a, I want a word from God. Balak got one, didn't help him at all. Then in verse 18, he got a second one. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be... Uh, did I get the right one? That's 24, sorry. 23, 18. And he took up his parable and said... Whenever it says he took up his parable, that's about, it means he's about to prophesy. Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? I love how God answers Balak right off the bat with, I shouldn't need to come back to you a second time. That's what he just said. I'm not a man that I would just change my mind because you changed the scenery. I'm not a, I'm not, there's no, there's no uh, remote to change the channel here. He says, I'm not a man. I don't lie. I say what I mean and I do it. Behold, I have received commandment to bless and he hath blessed and I cannot reverse it, Balaam says. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord, his God is with him. The shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob. You can't curse them, he's saying. Neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and Israel, what hath God wrought? I love it. What hath God wrought? You know what? This should also encourage us today. If some person in some cult decides they don't like you and they say, I'm going home and I'm going to put a curse on you, I'm going to put a hex on you or whatever, you don't have to worry about that. You take that to the Lord. You pray for that person. Pray that God would open their eyes and bring them from darkness to light. And then you go get some good sleep. You don't have to worry about that at all. God is in charge of all of this. He said there's no divination, there is no cursing, there's no enchantment that's going to stick to these people. They're mine. I have blessed them. Man, praise the Lord for this. What hath God wrought is going to be the statement that we will say when we see what God does. Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift himself up as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of his prey and drink of the blood of the slain. Wow. He, he, he uh, hears two um, direct revelations from God, and that's not enough. He says, third time's the charm. Let's hear it again. And he gets a third word, and then he gets a fourth. And it, so it, uh, it's uh, Numbers 24, 3 through 9 is the next prophecy. And then the fourth or bonus prophecy is 24, 15 through 24. All of this was new revelation straight from God himself through the mouth of Balaam. And here is the sad part. Not only did the guy, Balak, who was supposed to hear it, miss it, 
But the guy who was speaking it missed it as well. Because they both had a human agenda. They both had hearts that had set themselves up as God. They wanted to be the chooser of blessing. I will bless myself this way, and I have decided that this is the way I need to go, and I'm going to get there one way or the other. No, you see, folks, the lack of new miracles and revelation, the lack of some new evidence, some new word from God, this is not what is keeping you back from faith. You're not waiting for a scientific discovery. I'm sorry. No, God is waiting for you to surrender, to submit, to bow the knee to Him, and to recognize that He is God, and it is only your hard heart that is keeping you from the truth. If you're quick with your Bible, turn over to Luke 16 just for a moment. Sometimes we say, oh, my mom, my sister, my brother, my friend, they're so hard. They don't respond to witnessing. They don't respond to prayer. Lord, do something great in their life. Like, do, do something amazing. Just give them a Damascus Road experience like the Apostle Paul or something because they're not going to get saved any other way. Well, you're not the only person to have thought that. Luke 16, 27 then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. He's speaking of the Pentateuch. Basically, he said, they have the Bible. Let them hear them. And he said, oh, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And I used to scratch my head at that and say, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I think if somebody raises from the dead and walks around, they're going to repent. But then again, somebody did. His name was Jesus Christ. He walked around, and they died in their sins and went straight to hell regardless. Why? Because they had Moses and the prophets, and they would not hear them. For someone who is not saved, you don't need more revelation. You don't need more evidence. You need more humility to admit what you don't know and to throw yourself upon the mercy of the one who knows it all and gave it all for you. And for those of us who do know the Lord as Savior, Sometimes we find ourselves here as well where we can't believe God for a certain thing or we can't believe God. In, yes, we believe Him for salvation and we're saved, but stuff has happened in our life and now I don't know, I'm bitter, I'm confused, I'm scared, and I can't trust God until I get more. You're not going to get any more than what He has given you here in His Word. And He wants you to dive into it. And he wants you to, uh, to just search it out and let his word come alive. It's his word that will help you to learn and, and walk by faith. Number one, 
uh, persist in your own will at your own peril. Number two, when God decides to bless, all the forces of hell cannot stop him. Lesson three, when Satan tries to curse what God has blessed, God will turn the curse back on his own head. And number four, the lack of new miracles and revelation are not what's keeping you back from faith. It's your heart heart. Number five, unbelief is the height of ignorance and folly. Unbelief is the height of ignorance and folly. Look at Numbers 23 again. And let's look at 25 and read a couple of verses here. And Balak said to Balaam, Neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. I love it. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Told not I thee, saying, All that the Lord speaketh that I must do? And Balak said unto Balaam, Come, I pray thee, I will bring thee unto another place. Peradventure it will please God that, the, that, that, that thou mayest curse me them from thence. And Balak brought Balaam unto the top of Peor that looketh toward Jeshimon. All right, we'll keep going in a minute. First, let me say this. Um, this. Here in this passage, you just saw Balak say the smartest thing he's ever said and the most ridiculous thing he's ever said, all right? Let's look at the smartest thing he's ever said. Neither bless them at all nor curse them at all. Now you're, <laughs> you're getting somewhere, pal. Uh, yes, stop, cease, desist. Just chalk it up to a really bad idea and move on. It's interesting. It's like he, he almost quit. And then he said, I can't quit. There's a couple of verses later. Here's the dumbest thing. So it goes from the smartest thing he's ever said to the dumbest thing. Just in case, let's try it one more time. Peradventure, God will let you curse them for me if we go to a different place. Unbelief is the height of ignorance and folly. I don't believe that Balaam, the king of Midian, was an absolute ignorant dunce. But I do believe that when you persist in unbelief, your unbelief will render you as such. There are a lot of brilliant people in this world with degrees and letters and things after their name that I don't even understand and all kinds of awards and honorary awards and so forth and so on. There's a lot of these individuals who are very, very, very smart. But because of their unbelief, it has rendered them all fools. Satan manages to get us thinking this way today. Maybe I should stop. Maybe I should just stop right here. Yeah, maybe you should. But maybe if I try it one more time, it'll work. Okay, someone said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result, something like that. All right. Well, this is pretty insane. But we do the same thing. We say, uh, I know what God said. I know he disagrees. I know that this has never worked before. And it's probably never going to work. But if I just try it a little different way, maybe it'll work. Now, before we get too high and mighty 
and look down our nose at Balak, you got to think for a minute. You and I have done this a lot. If we're humble and think back through our lives at some of the stubborn things that we would not just abandon, we should have said, I should just stop this, which is what he said. But maybe I, maybe I just need to try it one more time a different way. You know, the Bible says in James 2, verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. One preacher said, this is a spiritual LSD. Lust, sin, death. It's high for a while, but you come crashing down. And it's destructive. We do the same thing. We think, I can do it again. I really want this. And we lust, and then we sin, and then we go at it and destroy ourselves. Think of what Balaam did here. He traded the fountain of God's inexhaustible wisdom for the esteem and promotion of a fool. Very sad. And I want you to see this from Scripture. Numbers 24, when, verse 1, and Balaam, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he said, okay, Lord, you win. Bless him. Nope, that's not what he said. When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not at other times to seek for enchantments, but set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Ah, oh, Balaam, can't you see? Yes, the truth of the matter is, yes, he can see. He can see that God is determined to bless Israel. This man is not blind, he is hardened. He cannot claim ignorance. That's scary. He can't say, I didn't know. I was confused. I mean, they look like bad guys to me. No. He sees them in their tents. He sees everything going on. And he becomes convinced that God is going to bless these people and there's nothing I can do to stop it. So I'm just not going to go see God. I'm going over here. I'm going over here. I'm just going to watch them in their tents. Uh, scoundrels. God wants to bless them, but I'm not going to. Uh-oh, here comes God. <laughs> and the Spirit of God fills him, and out comes the next blessing. And he couldn't see just how, en how encouraged he could have been that he was being the mouthpiece for deity. But no, that's no fun when deity says what you don't want to hear. We want to be the mouthpiece for deity when deity says what I want to do. He traded the fountain of God's inexhaustible wisdom for the esteem and promotion of fools. You say, preacher, you're, you're being kind of hard on Balak. No, I'm not. He didn't believe God. He didn't believe in the Almighty God. 
The Bible has said, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Psalms 14, 1. Psalms 53, 1. Also says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Now, Balak, he actually wasn't a complete atheist. He knew that there was a God and he was trying to get that God to do what he wanted. So he actually wasn't an atheist. Practically speaking, he was living as though there is no God. So it's practical atheism. But we live in a day today where it is, it is so popular to be an atheist. And people take refuge in this numbers. And uh, uh, I remember when I was in, 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 um, in high school, my brother and I were in an orchestra and uh, we were uh, with all these kids and playing our instruments. And during one of the breaks, this girl would come over to us to talk theology because she knew our dad was a preacher. And she asked us all these questions. And she said, you guys believe in God, but nobody else in this orchestra believes in God. And I'm torn because I see what you guys are saying and it makes so much sense and I want to believe it. I really want to believe it. And you guys seem like nice guys, but everybody else dis disagrees with you. Like, yeah, there's a verse that says, broad is the way, you know. And what are you going to do? She says, I got to go with the numbers. And she walked away and she never came back to talk to us on any other breaks. That was the last time she ever talked to us. She went the numbers. There is a, a uh, bumper sticker or a sign on, on the internet. You've probably seen this. Atheism, good enough for these idiots. Have you guys seen this? Atheism, good enough for these idiots. And uh, basically, strength in numbers. If these brilliant men, yeah, idiots is air quotes, right? We all know that those guys were not idiots. They were, they were smart brainiacs and so the idea is hey there's strength in numbers and i want to be in this number with these idiots well all i would say about this idea or this particular banner on the screen is this, i would make one biblical change you know what it is proverbs or psalms 14 1 would say it this way atheism good enough for these fools. Balak was a brilliant man just like these guys. He had other kings that are listed in chapter 31. All no doubt brilliant men. They all died together because they would not bow the knee to the God of the universe, the creator God. There was strength in numbers, sure, but they went down in numbers. And Balaam chose that crowd to his peril. He, he insisted to run with those who would not believe. And unbelief is the height of ignorance and folly. Unbelief turned a man like Balaam and Balak, who were smart men, into practical fools. By the way, those gentlemen on the screen, I am personally not convinced by my study that all of them are atheists. I can think of at least three of those, if not four, who I would have a strong argument were not atheists. But nonetheless, this is the legacy that is thrown around on the internet today. Uh, Proverbs 13.20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. 
Turn over, uh, so let's, let's go back, let's review. So uh, John, let's review these, uh, these, these lessons on the screen. Number one, if you can find that one quick. Persist in your own well, will to your own peril. Number two, when God decides to bless, all the forces of hell cannot stop him. So make sure you're on the right side of this whole thing. When Satan tries to curse what God has blessed, God will turn that curse on his own head. Number four, the lack of new miracles and revelation are not what's keeping you back from faith. It's your hard heart. Number five, unbelief is the height of ignorance and folly. It has reduced many a wise man to a practical fool. And number six, even after being soundly defeated, Satan will always try to counterattack. This is one lesson we've got to take from this passage of Scripture. You read Numbers 22, 23, and 24, and you're like, wow, Israel is invincible! God has decided to bless them and curse the others, and this is so cool! Read verse tw chapter 25. I mean, it's like, ugh. 22, 23, and 24 are great in the sense if you're cheering for Israel. 25 is their undoing. Let's read a little bit of it. 25, 1. And Israel abode in Shittim. And the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. Now, where did they get that idea? Numbers 31, 16. Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. And there was a, a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now, just before that, we had read in verse 25 of the preceding chapter, and Balaam rose up and went and returned to his place, and Balak also went his way. And we say, the devil got kicked in the pants! The devil went home with his tail between his legs. We sent the devil packing. Look out. Don't put your shield down. Don't put the sheath in the sword. We sang onward Christian soldiers tonight. Christian soldiers are always on the battlefield. We're always on guard. The shield of faith is always lifted, should be, and the sword is always ready to attack we don't take the day off. And I'll tell you, we are the most vulnerable when we have just celebrated a victory. Isn't that just human nature? Yeah! Look at us! We did it! And then here comes the counterattack. Boom! That story has been written in history a gazillion times. When Satan's outright cursing would not work, his crafty counsel would work. Balaam went home, started thinking, I know a way. If God won't let me curse them, I'll just go back to, Balaam, to Balak on my own and give him some counsel. Hey, there's something you need to know about these people. God has some strict rules for them. One of them is they can't commit adultery. And another one is they can't intermarry with other, other people groups, especially not Moabites and people of Canaan and so forth. And so all you have to do to bring these people down is just get your daughters in to their midst and intermarry, and, and maybe not even intermarry, whoredom is what it says. Uh, they're, they're just doing their thing with whoever they want to do it with. 
and it got pretty bad. There was a guy who was a prince among them. And the, the Bible talks about that and, and how Phinehas uh, smote him and his lover and, and, and so forth. But, so they were basically, just, it was this free love, I guess, with the people of the land. And God had to deal with His people and He deals with them soundly and 24,000 die in the plague in the matter of pure. Ugh! It was looking good in Numbers 22, 23, and 24. It was looking like these guys can't be cursed. They are only going to be blessed. And they would only be blessed. This was judgment, but the blessing was not avoided. But then in 25, you see the craftiness and the wiliness of the devil. And folks, he is only the more wily since that time to this. Remember that he is a roaring lion. He walks about seeking whom he may devour, but he's also that slithering serpent. And he's sneaky. And he is as relentless as he is crafty. You know, can't you tell you were beaten? Three blessings and then a bonus blessing and a curse on you. And Balaam sent home and Balak sent home. It's over. He says, no, it's not. I've been doing this for a long time not over we just go to a different play in the playbook and if that doesn't work we go to a different play in the playbook just like when we went through nehemiah remember that series on sunday mornings not too long ago 2020 i believe that was nehemiah had some enemies sanballat and tobiah and they had a plan to get into the city and kill them from the inside out. But the Bible says their plan was made known to Nehemiah. They sniffed it out. I would love to have known how that all went down. That's what like, movie makers dream of that stuff. They like to flesh out those details. But, uh, you know, he, the, the, the plot gets spoiled. And Nehemiah says, nope, not going to happen. And, and they build the wall and it's finished. And you think Sanballat and Tobiah are done. No, they're down on the, uh, the other side calling up, hey, Come to us and, and talk to us in the plain of Ono. And uh, we, 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 someone's trying to hurt you. We want to help you out. But, but Nehemiah says, they thought to do me mischief. And he says, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down unto you. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down unto you? And what you see in the book of Nehemiah is even though uh, Sanballat and Tobiah are, are soundly defeated, they never stop trying. And that's the devil. He is soundly defeated. But if you will drop your, your shield and let go your sword, he will catch you with a counterattack. And 25, Numbers 25, is the, uh, the narrative of that. You are most vulnerable after your most recent victory, so keep your shields up. The moment you think it's over and you drop your shield is the moment you will take a fiery dart. Well, Numbers 31. Go over there if you would. Just We'll end with this again. Numbers 31, verse 7. They warred against the Midianites as the Lord commanded Moses, and they slew all the males, and they slew the kings of Midian beside the rest of them that were slain, namely Evi and Rechem and Zur and Hur and Reba, five kings of Midian, Balaam also, the son of Beor, they slew with the sword. 
And he is an Old Testament illustration of the proverb of Solomon. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Folks, we have been given so much. Though God may not speak through us the way He spoke through Balaam, we have His Spirit in us and we have the completed, inspired Word of God. We have so much at our disposal. There is just so much that Balaam should have seen. So much he should have heard. So much that Balak should have seen and heard. But they had already locked in on what they wanted to do. How about you? Are you surrendered tonight? Have you surrendered and said, Lord, not my life, it's yours. Not my will, your will. I want what you want. I want to do your will for your glory. I don't want to be reduced to uh, the embers of my folly. We saw tonight that the lack of new miracles and revelation is not what's keeping you back from faith. It's your hard heart. Oh, may God break through any hard hearts here and that there would be the knees bowing now saying Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't need any more evidence. You don't need any more words from the Lord. You need to submit to what you've already received. Lesson five was unbelief is the height of ignorance and folly. So many smart, smart individuals have been reduced to uh, a practical fool because they will not simply receive by faith the Lord Jesus. Don't trade the inexhaustible fountain of God's wisdom for the esteem of men. And remember, number six, even after being soundly defeated, Satan will always try to counterattack. So keep your shield up. May God help us to learn these lessons from Balaam and to live a victorious Christian life. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for these lessons from Numbers. And uh, Lord, we can relate to many things that we see. Lord, our hearts can be so hard and our, our, our vision can be so focused on what we want. Lord, break through in our hearts. Break through our stubborn wills. Help us to keep the shield of faith up, but help us to keep our knees bowed. I pray, Lord, that you would grant victory in each one of our lives. And anyone, Lord, who does not know you as Lord and Savior, would you uh, just break through there as well and, and bring that one or ones to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.